Hello, this is Susan. Hey, it's Melissa. Hey, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Kayla Gordon, Jeep Roberts, and Susan Bolio have started a journey. They're shaking loose from depression, addiction, and dissociation, and walking with more laughter, lightness, and love. They struggle with the same difficult feelings many of us have, but this is the story of their work to heal. They're acknowledging the trauma that was passed down to them as children, and they're noticing how adverse childhood experiences, or ACEs, have shaped the way they act and react in their lives. So now, how can they keep from passing that trauma on to their children? We start, because of COVID, on the phone. My grandkids were, I mean, we'd always pack up and leave, I mean, on weekends. Jeep Roberts is an elder and member of the White Earth Band of Ojibwe. He lives in Pine Point, a small village on the White Earth Reservation. Jeep is telling me about this time he took his three grandchildren to a powwow in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's about an eight-hour drive from Pine Point. It was a two-day trip over there and a one-day trip back and so on. But And, and they're really small. That's got to be a handful. Uh, that w- it was, actually. <laughs> yeah. I had a few comments, you know, even at the hotel. Took them to the swimming pool, you know, sitting there and watching them swim. And then a couple of uh, ladies, you know, next table over. Mm-hmm. One of the comments was, yeah, ooh, pretty brave dude. That's <laughs> what <So>, uh, <laughs> Nobody has to get it done, I guess. Cameron is 10, Bo or Bobo is 8, and Carol Jean is 6. They call Jeep Papa. Pretty good trip to, I mean, the two little ones were in the back in their car seats, and we were cruising along in Wisconsin, and all of a sudden I hear um, them saying, say cheese, you know, and I thought maybe they're, you know, we're in Wisconsin cheese state or something like that there, but... <laughs> We had iPads with us, and they both had one in the back, so they were taking pictures of each other <laughs> <laughs> in the back seat. <laughs> That's what they say. say <laughs> so, I mean, we had some really good time. I'm smiling at how much he adores them. Jeep is their full-time caregiver because their mom, Jeep's daughter, has struggled with addiction for about 10 years. She'd been on and off with drugs on her and her mother. Jeep says taking care of them has him thinking a lot about historical trauma and ACEs. He thinks specifically about that list of ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, that he learned about a few years ago. That list includes losing a parent to death or jail or divorce, having a parent who's addicted, being hurt physically by a parent, having the feeling that no one loves you, having the feeling that no one will protect you. Those are traumas. And Jeep says he is trying everything to keep his grandkids from experiencing any of that. So he's had to make a lot of tough choices. Jeep's been sober for over 30 years, but he and his grandkids live with his daughter and his wife, who both struggle with addiction. So if I can ask, you've been sober for 30-some years, but... Your wife and your daughter have been struggling with addiction for the past few years. Yep, yep. So what was that like, being sober and watching that happen? Uh, it was a struggle. Yeah. You know, kind of held it together for the kids, really. I can imagine holding it together has been really, really hard sometimes. He's balancing and juggling what he needs, what his grandkids need, and what his wife and daughter need. There was a few times in there where it was, um, oh, I, did, I did make a comment to them one time. 
maybe it is better off that they would just go ahead and OD for us because it'd be better better than watching them slowly kill themselves, really. Wow. Did you say that because you were angry or, or were you just at your wit's end? Not anger, just kind of wit's end. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I said, um, it was hard watching them live that life, I guess you'd say, too. So. Yeah. I can imagine he feels helpless and frustrated sometimes. Over the years, you know, it's been a leave or not to leave, I guess you'd say, huh? Yeah. I mean, there's certain times in there, you know, when I when I did say the OD part of it, you know, that was time to leave, you know. So why did you decide to stay? Um, I want to say, you know, I thought about taking them away from their mother and their grandmother. Yeah. But that was, that was part of it, I guess. Um, not having to rip them away from them, you know, even when their grandmother went to treatment. Uh, that was hard on them too. Mm. You know, just watching them at that time, how they um, missed her, um, worried about her. Yeah, that must have been incredibly hard to make that choice, knowing that they loved her so dearly, but you're also worried about their future. Yeah, I struggled with it over over quite a few years, actually. <laughs> he struggled to figure out what was right for his three grandkids. Living with a parent who's addicted to drugs can be traumatic, but it's also traumatic to be separated from your parent. Jeep chose to keep the kids close to their mom and their grandma, and he is stepping up as the loving adult who helps them make sense of what they see and what they feel. In a previous episode, we talked about something called buffering adults. That is, someone in a child's life who gives support and guidance and love, who eases the pain of losing a parent or having a parent who's addicted. Jeep fills that role for Cameron and Bobo and Carol Jean. But he wonders, is he doing this right? You know, like AA's got a 12-step program and so on like that. You know, ACES, there is no no step program as far as that goes. Do you kind of wish there was like a 12-step program? <laughs> um, I kind of wish there was. I mean, some kind of program, some kind of, you know, steps you can work your way we decide to call Susan Bolio. She's a citizen of the Red Lake Nation, and she works with tribal communities across Minnesota, teaching healing strategies for historical trauma and adverse childhood experiences, or ACEs. She's the woman who taught Jeep all about ACEs. All right, so we're recording now. Um, so I lay out the question Jeep's been asking. You know, when you get sober through treatment or with a 12-step program, you know what to do. You work the steps. But once you understand ACEs, it's a little bit like, okay, and now what do I do with this? <laughs> and especially when you want to make sure that your kids, your grandkids, are not experiencing some of the things you did. Is, is that about right? Uh, yep, that's pretty much it right there. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I actually was just talking to somebody about this the other day. This comes up a lot where people want to know what are the the one or the two things that they can do. And I learned this the hard way is that it's a journey and a process and that there are no one or two tools or techniques that work for everyone. Susan says, if Jeep doesn't want to pass on the trauma to the next generation, then he can be that buffering adult. And frankly, he's doing great. 
you are, you're nailing it out of the ballpark. You really are. Yeah. Your grandkids are incredibly lucky. Oh, well, thank you. And then she says, besides watching out for what's happening in their lives, it's useful to become more aware of your own thoughts and feelings. So a lot of the work that I have been doing personally is around becoming more aware of my thoughts, becoming more aware of my emotions. Jeep isn't hurting them or neglecting them, but because Jeep experienced serious trauma when he was a boy, addiction, violence, and loss, he's developed habits that help him to deal with that. But they may not be so helpful to his grandkids. So I'll just give you an example. I feel like I told you the story of my daughter with the Legos. Oh, no. uh Uh-uh. No? Okay. So she was probably six. She's 10 now. So she was probably six. And we actually, it was during the summertime and I was working in White Earth. She came with me that day and she brought Legos. She loves Legos, still loves Legos. So she's building this house of Legos on her lap in a car. (laughs) It's disastrous. She has no hard platform, right? The car is jostling around. So her stuff is falling apart and she's getting more and more frustrated. And eventually it got to the point where she was so upset. She was crying. She was angry. And in that moment, I only had two options because of where I was at at that time. I had two options. I could either check out and dissociate because I couldn't handle all of the energy stuff that was happening. It was activating stuff within me. So I could either check out or I was going to go off on her. I was going to start screaming. Like that, yeah. Those were the only two options I had at that time. So I chose the lesser of two evils, which was checking out, which might seem like a good option. But what that still told her, and you know, like if you're in relationship with someone and they check out emotionally, you feel that. Yeah. Right? You know it. And so what the message I was still sending her was, your big emotions aren't okay. I can't handle it. You need to figure out how to shut that down. And that's what I was told over and over and over. And sometimes, you know, physically as a child. And so so I realized in that moment, like, I needed more options. Those were not the options that I wanted because that would perpetuate the same cycles that I had grown up in. So basically, when you were a kid and something traumatic happened, maybe you mentally checked out, let your mind wander away, or you panicked and got anxious or angry. Those are patterns of behavior you learned to deal with the trauma. And if you keep those patterns of behavior as an adult, then you're teaching your children and your grandchildren to do the same thing you did. So all of those patterns and habits from childhood sort of get put into that category where it's so automatic, we don't have to think about it anymore. We're just doing it. Even this morning, I was snuggling with my six-year-old. She was telling me about her bad dream and stuff. And I was holding her and I was trying to be really present. And then all of a sudden I was starting to think about what I needed to do later today because that pattern is so strong for me. It is so incredibly strong. So sitting on the bed with her daughter in her lap, she has a little conversation with herself. It was just like, okay, this is just, you know, me seeing the pattern, bring it back, be present. She says she just reminds herself that this is a habit and she'd rather be present right now. So that's why practicing mindfulness, coming back to our body, coming back to what we're doing in the moment helps us then because then we can notice when when I'm going out to planning, when I'm going out to like catastrophizing or like whatever that pattern, thought pattern is, right? Mm. So it's a process. And I think just having that like compassion for yourself and that patience with yourself that it is a journey. Mm. 
you know, Aces kind of throws me as far as how do I think about it as far as, you know, is there an end result that I need to look for or find? And there's not. I mean, you just explained it. Mm. Just keep on working on being me, I guess. What I've found is it's it's sort of like an onion, you know, like peeling back the onion. So there's this layer, and then there's a new layer that comes up. It, it really is a process. Oh, my help. All right, on. <laughs> you know, when I take a step back for a minute, I think Jeep started peeling back those layers 34 years ago. That's when he got sober. After nine years of hard drinking, including jail time, lots of fights, and blackouts, he made a choice to quit drinking. He told me about it one day on the phone. It was a native treatment place up in Fond du Lac. Wisconsin was called then. Oh, yeah. And while I was in there, we had a uh, spiritual leader. Oh, Jesus. I gotta, I gotta remember his name now. Um, Jimmy Jackson was the name. Got it. He'd come do ceremonies for us, pipe ceremonies and so on. Uh, host is all in the, in the front room there. And, and one morning he come in and did a ceremony. And we were all in there. It was probably, you know, 15, 16 of us maybe. He said, I'm, I'm going to ask you all a question. And we'll go around the room and everybody gets a, a chance to answer it. And his question was, um, do you believe in miracles? You believe in miracles. Such an interesting question. At the time, I thought it was kind of strange because, you know, being a a Native American spiritual leader, that sort of sounded like a preacher from a a church. Right. By the time it got to me, my answer was yes, I do believe in miracles. Because who was watching over me while all these blackouts were happening? Some of these blackouts, I was driving my car home. Don't even remember how my car got there. I think the message is the creator has his eye on you and is taking care of you. Your life matters. You are worthy of miracles. That was my aha moment at the time, I guess, that I needed to do something. So he got sober. It was a few years later that Jeep settled down in an apartment in Pine Point with his wife, Lorraine. And then they had their daughter, Candace, a few years after that. Jeep's motto was to lead by example. He wanted to show his daughter a good life. That was the way to be a good father. I mean, we did pretty good, I thought, raising my daughter yeah. and my nieces and nephews. And we all dragged around the powwows and, 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 and tried to live, you know, the best life that we could as far as, you know, leading by example and so on. And, but... Over time, you know, the kids did what they wanted to do, and, and every one of them got into uh, to, um, drugs. Mm. I can hear the pain in his voice when he talks about it. And now that he knows how trauma and ACEs have affected his own behavior, he's wondering what he could have done differently. I've been trying to think about, you know, um, when my daughter was, Two or one or something like that. I, I can remember living in the village, and my wife worked the second shift at a, a bingo hall up in Manoman, and so she would drop her off at daycare. I'd pick her up afterwards, then me and her would spend you know nights together. I'd cook supper for us, and, and we'd do things together. And I, I just can't remember 
how that was, you know, what we did, what I what I did that that I I, I should have done differently. But do you ever talk about it with her about her childhood? Um, no, I don't actually. That's something I should probably do. Right? Wonder how she feels about it. I guess it'd be interesting to hear. I think this might be a new layer for Jeep to peel away. It feels hopeful. I can't help but think about my own father. What if he came to me and said, you know, I did the best I could to raise you. So how did that go for you? It seems like it's never too late to start that conversation. Okay, Melissa. Have a great day. Oh, you too. Okay, bye. In our next conversation, Jeep tells me all about how his grandkids are teaching him to say, I love you, which he's realized is a really important thing. Join us next time. This is A Mile in My Moccasins on Niji Radio, serving the White Earth Nation. I'm Melissa Townsend. Shi miigwech, and thank you to Kayla Gordon, Jeep Roberts, and Susan Bolio for sharing their stories. Kim Lage, KJ Henschel, Maggie Rosu, Leah Lem, and Aaron Warhol for editorial contributions, and Dan Luke for some of the music in our series. Programming is made possible through a grant to the White Earth Land Recovery Project from the Minneapolis Foundation Catalyst Initiative and with support from Ampers, Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities. To hear more episodes in this series and to learn more about collective trauma, ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, visit whiteearthhealing.org. That's whiteearthhealing.org. Take care. Take care.